So I was 20 years old in September of 1991 when Grace Community Church, as it was called at the time, first opened its doors. I had grown up at Faith Missionary Church, the church that Grace uh, came from, and I was really, really involved in the youth group there. Um, And Dave Rodriguez, who was the youth pastor at that time at Faith, was very influential in my life. I would say he kept me um, connected, God through him kept me connected to the church and to spiritual things at a time when I, when I really probably didn't want to be. I was a little bit rebellious as a teenager. Probably still kind of am, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so when Faith Church uh, decided that they were going to launch or plant, whatever you want to call it, a church in Hamilton County, and they named Dave Rod as the senior pastor, the lead pastor, I was all in. Actually, a lot of people were all in because when we first started meeting that first Sunday, there were around about 600 people that showed up at this funky little warehouse uh, that sat where uh, Best Buy and Michael's do now, right over there on Greyhound Pass. And I kind of remember at the time, it felt like we didn't know what we were doing and it was a little bit scary and yet it was also exciting and crazy and fun. And I was along for the ride. And my entire adult life has been at Grace Church. I've kind of grown up here. I got married. I had four children. I watched them grow up. I'm watching them still grow up. Uh, I, I welcomed people into my life. I watched people walk out of my life. I said goodbye to loved ones, including my own father, in the last year. So much of who I am today is because of the people of Grace Church. And when I came on staff in 1996 at the age of 25, I had no idea where that journey would take me. And now here I am. Here we are, 30 years later, getting ready to launch into the next 30 years, the next phase, I guess you could call it the next chapter of grace with a new lead pastor and a different staff structure when we're back to one location. And I'm going to tell you, it feels very much the same way it did 30 years ago this month. Kind of like we don't know what we're doing. And scary, but exciting and a little bit crazy and fun. We're still Grace Church. The DNA of who we have been runs deep and strong in this place, and we carry all of that forward with us as we move into the future. But I also believe that God is going to challenge us and mold us in new ways too. And in 30 years, if I'm still around and I'm 80, Lord willing, My plan is to still be doing the work of the kingdom alongside the people of Grace Church in one form or another. I'm glad you're glad I'm going to be around for a while. We're going to be around for a while. And this whole month, 
We're going to celebrate what God has done and we're going to look forward to what he's going to do. Taking who we've been and what we've learned in the past, listen to the Holy Spirit in the present and take all of that as we carry on into the future. In this sermon series that we're going to be in for the month, Carry On, we'll be looking at the books of First and Second Timothy as we see what the Apostle Paul had to say to this young guy, Timothy, as he prepared and got ready to take over the lead of the church in Ephesus on his own. But before we do that, I want to say welcome to all of you that are in the room and all of you that may be watching online and uh, to those of the students that are in the room, the kids, because uh, we've got, it's Worship Together Weekend, so we've got our third graders through eighth graders in the room with us as well. Can I, anyone out there from in third or through eighth grade, let me know. Where are you? We've got a few of them. We're so glad you're with us. And I want to say to you, this message I know sometimes you come in and you're like, oh, the message, the message. It's 30 minutes of listening. Let me tell you, this message is for you. You may be the future leaders of Grace Church and we need you to invest in who we are and live into who God called you to be. So I am excited that you are here in the room and watching online. I told you, I'm going to be 80 in 30 years. I need you. We need you. And as you're going to see as we dig into the message today, we need all of you. Every single person in this room and online, we need all of you as we carry grace into the future. So we're going to begin our anniversary month by looking at 2 Timothy. And I'm going to ask you kids this, and and actually anyone in the room, any of you students have a, a mentor in your life? Someone that's a little bit older than you, that challenges you and speaks truth into your life and encourages you and supports you. Anyone have one of those? Any adults have one of those or had one of those? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we're looking at here. Paul is a mentor of Timothy's. He's mentoring him. As I said before, Dave Rod uh, was a mentor for me. He, he shaped my life. He, he called things out in me that I didn't see in myself. He, he let me know that there was a calling, and I started forming that before I even understood what a calling was. And that's exactly what Paul is doing for Timothy. And in First and Second Timothy, there are letters from Paul to Timothy. And in these letters, he's challenging him and guiding him and calling him to the things that God has for his life. A little background. Paul met Timothy through Timothy's grandmother and mother, And he was so impressed with his deep faith and passion. And so he began mentoring him and sending him on missions. And when Paul got word that the church in Ephesus was being infiltrated by leaders that were spreading false views about Jesus and incorrect information about what it meant to follow him, he sent Timothy there to get him out and help put the church back together. And first Timothy is, is a letter instructing Timothy on how to restore order to the Ephesus church. The book is a big picture view of what the church should be and how it should function. What a church believes it how, is how it will live. A body of believers, because of their devotion to Jesus and his teachings, should be people of integrity and good works. It's a great book to look at as we look at the next 30 years of it being a church and toward the future. And we're going to look at 1 Timothy in the next couple of weeks. But today we are looking at 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter and perhaps his most personal letter. And we're not sure if it was written 
close to when 1 Timothy was written or sometime after, but what is very clear is Paul's circumstances have changed drastically. He's in prison in Rome. He's in the middle of a court case and things are not looking very good for him. He's not sure how much time uh, left he has. So it is imperative, it is crucial that he pass along this information to Timothy and challenge him and push him forward. Time is running out. The work is too important. The mission is great. Paul has given his whole life, his life's work to the teachings of Jesus and planting of churches. And he knows things look grim and he wants this young guy to have all the tools and confidence he needs to carry that torch forward. The book is kind of two sections of challenge and the section we're going to be looking at today, the first section, uh, is encouraging Timothy to accept his calling as a leader. So you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse starting in verse 3, that's page 1001 in the Bibles here in the seat backs. If you want to grab a Bible, perhaps you brought your own, which we're very happy if you did. We love when you bring your own Bible. And uh, at home you can grab a Bible or you can look on the app. The scripture is in the app as well. So we're starting 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and I'm going to read through to verse 14. So listen carefully to these beautiful words that Paul has. Listen as if these words are for you. Um, And so starting in verse 3, read along with me. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share that faith, that faith, you, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through, Jesus, for, through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That's why I'm suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Beautiful, powerful mentoring words from Paul to Timothy and now to us. I think this first section of 2 Timothy is pretty simple. It's not meant to be difficult to understand. There's a few things he's saying to Timothy here. Number one, I'm so grateful for you, Timothy, the way God has created you, and I pray for you. Come and see me. I have so much more I want to share with you. 
And two, don't forget you are a man of strong faith, handed down from generations. Look at your amazing faith history, the generational faith that has been given to you by your grandma Lois and your mom Eunice. They taught you all the stories of the Old Testament. You have the faith. You know the faith. They instilled a deep faith in you. I love, love, love that these strong women are who instilled this faith in Timothy, that God used them in his life. Number three, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul's saying, don't be ashamed. We know the truth. Don't be ashamed of me. Remember why we do what we do. Remember what God has done for us. Extended grace through Jesus. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it anyway. I'm in prison for it, but I know who I trust and have faith in. Don't forget who your king is. It is Jesus, not Caesar We serve a king that brings life, not death. And fourth, don't forget what I've taught you and continue to spread the good news through your gifts. And finally, what he says to him in verse six and seven and what we're gonna hone in on today is this, verses six and seven. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He is saying to Timothy, use your gifts. Don't let them sit idly by. You can do this. Don't be scared. Don't be timid or meek. Be bold. Use your gifts in the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy was young. Some of you in this room know what that's like to be young. I used to know what that was like. And he might be reluctant to use his gifts to the fullest, but Paul's reminding him to be brave, not safe. Boldly live for Jesus. Use the amazing gifts God has given you to advance the kingdom of Jesus, to spread the good news, to heal the brokenness in the world. We should be calling out each other's gifts and encouraging each other to use those gifts, just like Paul was calling them out in Timothy. He says to him, fan this gift into flames. This is not passive. Fanning into flames is not passive. It's active, and you play an active role in your giftedness and using those gifts. It's working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Choose to use the gifts he has given you. You can't just sit around. A fire burns out if you sit around. You've got to fan the flames. You've got to stir up the wood. You've got to move the coals. Make it happen. And for you, fanning the flames may be getting that fire started. Maybe you haven't figured out what your gifts are, what your passions are, what your calling is. Maybe it's time to start. For some of you, it's just the encouragement to keep going. Maybe you're feeling stuck or or you don't know how to do this anymore or it's hard and you just need to be encouraged to keep going. And for others, it's time to take it to a new level. Either way, you have a role. Don't let it burn out. Fan the flames. And these gifts, he's reminding them, are to be used in power, love, and self-discipline. No fear or timidity. That is not coming from God. No, what is coming from him, the gift that he gives you is power, love, and self-discipline. When we do his work, proclaim his word, represent his kingdom, we have all of his power supporting us. We are safe in his hands. He's given us this spirit of love 
This tells us a lot about the spirit of power that he gives us. Because he's given us that spirit of power in terms of love. And it's not in terms of how much we can control each other, which is usually what we associate with power. No, this power is in love and it is expressed through how much we can love and serve each other. On the night before he went to the cross, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, knowing that he had that power, what did he do with it? He humbly washed his disciples' feet. He served. He loved. That's how power is to be used. And along with that, he's given us self-discipline. The idea of a calm, self-controlled mind in contrast to the panic and confusion. So we don't have to accept what he's not given us. He did not give us fear, but we receive what he has given us, power, love, and self-discipline, and that is how we use our gifts. And they all three go together. You don't want the power without the love. You don't want the self-discipline without the power. It all works together. It's power through one who demonstrates self-giving love, people putting others first, with self-discipline that allows us to make wise decisions and smart choices. It's like the calling trifecta. And he's also saying you don't have to wait, Timothy. You're young. We get that. But you do not have to wait. It does not matter that you are young. You can still use your gifts and passions that God has given you. Paul actually tells Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, he says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. So those of you in this room that are younger and watching online that are younger, I say the same words to you that Paul said to Timothy. Listen carefully. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. I was finding my calling when I was your age, and he just continued to shape it as I went along. And we need you to live out who God has called you to be. We will learn so much from you. I've learned more from my kids than I think I've taught them. Your destiny is being formed right now. Don't lose that. Use your gifts in power, love, and self-discipline no matter what age. And remember, we don't use these gifts in vain. No, we use them as an expression of our love and devotion to Jesus. When you fully comprehend and understand who Jesus is and what he has done for you, for us, how can you not want to use every part of who he created you to be to honor and glorify him? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about a broken world that needs the power of Jesus in their lives. A desperate world that needs you using your gifts and passions to bring about restoration and reconciliation and redemption and renewal and rebirth. When you totally get that, as Paul reminds Timothy in verses 9 and 10, when you get that God saved us and called us to live a holy life, that he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. When you get that, then you will want your entire life to revolve around that. You will want to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given you. 
you will or you should burn with a desire to heal the brokenness in the world because of the brokenness that has been healed in you. You've heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. I'd like to turn that around and say, healed people heal people. Transforming people through the love of Jesus transform the world. When you experience the transforming love of Jesus, how can you not want to offer that transformation to the people in your lives and the rest of the world? Do you fully understand what Jesus has done for you? I do, a nod, anything. I, at home, I'm sure you're like screaming at the TV. Do you fully comprehend? If so, why on earth wouldn't you want to use those gifts that he has given you to mend and serve and restore this world and the people in it? Reconcile them to Jesus. It is not about us. Use your gifts to serve one another. How many of you kids out there play sports? Any of you play, play sports? Or adults, you can raise your hand. Maybe you still play some sports or you used to. Did you used to play a sport? Um, I did not, so it's really, really great that I'm using a sports analogy because I really know nothing about it, and I'm sure my children are like, why is she talking about sports? But I'm going to do my best here. Anyway, I've watched a lot of sports. So when you play, what do you play? Tell me, somebody, what, what sport you play. Soccer. Soccer. Such a big, big sport. Um, what? Football, okay, which could also be soccer. If you're in Europe, that is soccer. So, okay, so football, soccer, whatever, whatever the case is, whatever sport you play. Do you want to sit on the sidelines? Do you want to be in the dugout? No way. Absolutely, no way. You want to be in the game, right? You want to do what you love to do. You're, you're like, put me in, coach. Get me in the game. I don't want to stand here. I'm good at this, and I love it. I want to play. I want to be engaged. I want to do something. And I want to do it for my team because it's about them. It's about the whole team and what's best for all of us. Put me in, coach. I want to be in the game. And you could say this about all sorts of things, okay? When you're, when you're in theater, you want to be on stage, right? Put me in, director. Put me in, coach. Put me in the game. And I do want to, one caveat here. You can, you can be in the game, and you can sometimes play hurt, but you cannot play injured. And there are seasons of life where you are injured, and you don't have to be in the game at that time. You need to be ministered to. And you can step back and step out of the game for a while and allow your soul to be restored before you jump back in, and that is absolutely okay. And your team, we're going to take care of you. And we're going to get you better so that you can get back in. But that's what I want grace to look like as we move into the next 30 years. I want a group of people that are saying, put me in the game. Put me in, coach. We're standing on the shoulders of many people that did that for the last 30 years. And now it is our turn to take that forward. We are not going to be satisfied on the sidelines. We are going to be a group of people that are begging to be put in the game, that want to use their gifts and different abilities and passions to serve one another, serve our community, and serve God inside and outside the walls of this place. Put me in, coach. I can't sit still. And you know what? I'm seeing it all around me. 
I see it all around me now and it brings me such joy. Just a few examples and these are just a few of the myriad of people that are doing this. Chris Hunt, if you know Chris, you love Chris and he serves so humbly and I'm telling you that Chris and the team that he gathered together that has been praying for us for the last year and a half, we would not be standing here if it weren't for those prayers. And every first Wednesday of every month, Chris shows up in this room, opens these doors and is here to pray with his team of people to pray through this church, over this church and with anyone that needs prayer for this church. Kathy Bergman. Kathy is behind the scenes, cleaning up after events, uh, helping people through the loss of a loved one as she serves them well uh, at funerals. She is an amazing volunteer. She serves in the cafe, and she does it all behind the scenes. She doesn't want any credit for any of it. And then Matthew Gray, who has been serving as a merge, our senior, uh, senior high ministry leader for 12 years, and the kids love Matthew because he serves with such joy and humor, and they are just drawn to him. David Petroni, who serves on our production team and is a speaker's assistant and is here every week checking our fire alarms because he wants to make sure that we are safe and we are up to code. And it's David's birthday, so if you see him, tell him happy birthday. But he just does it because he loves the team. And that's the role he's going to play. Deb Bergman, no relation to Kathy, I don't think. I'll find out, but no, I don't think so. Anyway, Deb has, has revitalized our whole garden that is back there. She's part of our decay ministry. She serves at the front desk during the week. She's our musical director for our shows. She's an amazing, high-invested volunteer. Fred Fow, if you ever come to our 915 service, Fred will greet you with a handshake and a hug and a smile, and he makes makes me full of joy as I walk into service and starts the service off right for me. Kim and Travis McCord, who came over from North Indy and now serve with our third through fifth grade small groups and go above and beyond to love on those kids. And too many care center volunteers to even name that are doing unbelievable work of Jesus back there. And that's just a few. Won't you join them? Through serving, community is built Life is found, people find purpose, and generations are transformed. Jesus took time to rest. He took time to spend uh, with his father abiding, but he also was a doer. He was healing and preaching and calling out and listening and praying and performing miracles and washing feet and serving Use your gifts to serve one another, and I promise you, you will walk away fuller than you were when you showed up. You will be filled with joy. Life is found when you stop thinking about yourself and stop making it about you and start serving the people around you. When you watch a kid graduate, that you got to serve and be part of their spiritual journey as they grew up, your heart will burst with joy as they move on to that next phase and you were a part of influencing their lives for Jesus. Love on these little ones that you saw in the video up here that were dedicated this weekend. Invest in the next generation and watch them take the baton from you and carry the kingdom of God forward into the future. Watch a family get back on their feet and live sustainably. Watch your little garden grow. Sit with someone as they experience the transforming life, love of Jesus and surrender their life with him, to him. You can be a part of something so much bigger than you. 
And it's the greatest thing you will ever do in your life. You should burn with a desire to heal the brokenness in the world because of the brokenness that has been healed in you. Let's fan our gifts into flame. These gifts that have been given to us by God, these unique, beautiful gifts, and use them with power and love and self-discipline no matter what age. And watch the world change in the name of Jesus. And now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, that is my vision for Grace Church as we move forward. We are so grateful for the last 30 years and what you have built, what you have done, the people that you have brought here that have made this place what it is today, Lord. And now we look forward in anticipation and expectation as we move forward with a group of people that are exclaiming, put me in, coach. Put me in the game. Put me to work. I want to do the work of your kingdom because of what you, Lord, have done in my life. We can't wait to see what you do, Lord, in and through us and through this church and outside the walls of this church as we serve each other and our community and your kingdom. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to close the service today by uh, talking to somebody who knows a little bit about this. Uh, one of our pastors, uh, Marcus Castile, our pastor of engagement, is going to come up and join me on stage. And uh, Marcus serves with some of our, I mean, you talk about put me in coach. These people, have, they, they say it all the time to you. They're always wanting to be put in the game um, because he's our pastor of engagement and the, the care center and all of the beautiful things. So tell us, tell us about the care center and where it started and how we got to where we are today. Yeah, from the beginning, we wanted to help people. We wanted to help people who were coming to us in need. And we also wanted to help you connect and serve and find your place um, serving in the care center. So we started by actually evaluating what the need was in the community and evaluating the social service organizations available here um, to find out what did we want to do inside the care center. And even though there were plenty of pantries here in Hamilton County, we knew that there was a pantry that we wanted to create that was a little bit unique. Um, we wanted a choice pantry that was focused on dignity and hope. And so that we also knew that transportation was a huge issue. And we also wanted to not just help meet the immediate need, but we wanted to work with people and move them to a place of sustainability. And we also started with one staff member. Mm-hmm. And so from the very beginning, it had to be volunteer-driven, not just volunteer-serving, but volunteers leading other volunteers. And when we empowered those volunteers, what we got back is what you see today. And Mm -hmm. so the care center is what it is because volunteers stepped up and said, have you ever thought about doing it this way? Um, Or can I do this for you? And the care center is what it is because we empowered volunteers and they took over. And they're the ones that lead. I mean, like when staff shows up, we're just, we just show up and say, hey, tell us what to do. And the volunteers run the, run the ship back there. It's amazing. And then, so the last year and a half has been crazy and you guys have had to pivot all over the place to keep things going. How did that 
have that happen? Yeah, so we were blessed with the expansion of the care center um, into its new space back in January of last year. And little did we know it was around the corner two months later. But because of that space, when the pandemic hit, we were able to stay open and we were able to pivot on a dime and actually continue loving and caring for our friends without losing our values and engaging people in that process. Um, We served um, sometimes over 900 families every week. And for six months, um, to protect the space, we delivered those groceries to the doorsteps of all 900 families every week. And we did that because of our volunteers. Well, and that's what they were really disappointed because you guys had to shut down the whole care center because we didn't know what was going on. I mean, like we were like, we got to protect people. But they were like, "Uh, we can't sit around. What are we going to do? So for the first three weeks, it was staff only running the care center um, just to protect the space and to be able to keep it open. Um, but our volunteers were, like, not having that. And they said, How, what can we do? And so we gave out um, all of the care center friends' names and phone numbers. And 750 um, were called every week by volunteers. They had the same people. And they loved on them. And they prayed for them. And they continued caring for them. And even today, 20 months later, some of those volunteers are still connecting and communicating weekly with those friends. It's amazing. And now we're back. We're, we're open but there's a huge future for the care center. We're super excited about where God's leading us next. Yeah, we knew from the beginning transportation was an issue. Um, about 25% of the friends that come to us um, rely on somebody else for transportation. Either they borrow a vehicle or they ride with them. Um, we also, when we were shut down and we were delivering out to all of them, when we reopened back up in October for friends to come back and pick up their groceries, we noticed about 300 of them were not coming back. And so we reached out and we found out it was because of transportation. 300 families were not being served. And so we're excited that we're launching the Care Center Mobile Food Pantry. And what this is is a 50... Yeah, you should... This is awesome. I mean, it's so exciting. What it is, it's a 53-foot gooseneck trailer. And I found out after last night, a lot of people don't know what that is. It's just a semi-trailer that's lowered to the ground. So it's only 20 20 inches off of the ground. Um, And this will... We'll be able to take the pantry and put it on wheels and actually take the care center out to those who are in need and be able to love on them, serve with them, engage with other partners, and change even more lives. So we're excited about that. Very exciting. It's awesome. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.